Section five of the Girl with the Golden Eyes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. The Girl with the Golden Eyes by Honoré de Balzac. Translated by Ellen Marriage. Section five when after making an excellent meal the two young men had traversed the terrasse des feuillants and the broad walk of the tuileries they nowhere discovered the sublime paquita valdez on whose account some fifty of the most elegant young men in paris were to be seen all scented with their high scarfs spurred and booted riding walking talking laughing and damning themselves mightily it's a white mass said henri but i have the most excellent idea in the world this girl receives letters from london the postman must be bought or made drunk a letter opened read of course and a love-letter slipped in before it is sealed up again the old tyrant crudel tiranno is certain to know the person who writes the letters from london and has ceased to be suspicious of them the day after de marsay came again to walk on the terrasse des feuillants and saw paquita valdez already passion had embellished her for him seriously he was wild for those eyes whose rays seemed akin to those which the sun emits and whose ardour set the seal upon that of her perfect body in which all was delight de marsay was on fire to brush the dress of this enchanting girl as they passed one another in their walk but his attempts were always vain but at one moment when he had repassed paquita and the duenna in order to find himself on the same side as the girl of the golden eyes when he returned paquita no less impatient came forward hurriedly and de marsay felt his hand pressed by her in a fashion at once so swift and so passionately significant that it was as though he had received the emotions surged up in his heart when the two lovers glanced at one another paquita seemed ashamed she dropped her eyes lest she should meet the eyes of henri but her gaze sank lower to fasten on the feet and form of him whom women before the revolution called their conqueror i am determined to make this girl my mistress said henri to himself as he followed her along the terrace in the direction of the place louis quinze 
he caught sight of the aged marquis de san real who was walking on the arm of his valet stepping with all the precautions due to gout and decrepitude dona concha who distrusted henri made paquita pass between herself and the old man oh for you said de marsay to himself casting a glance of disdain upon the duenna if one cannot make you capitulate with a little opium one can make you sleep we know mythology and the fable of argus before entering the carriage the golden-eyed girl exchanged certain glances with her lover of which the meaning was unmistakable and which enchanted henri but one of them was surprised by the duenna she said a few rapid words to paquita who threw herself into the coupe with an air of desperation for some days paquita did not appear in the tuileries laurent who by his master's orders was on watch by the hotel learned from the neighbours that neither the two women nor the aged marquis had been abroad since the day upon which the duenna had surprised a glance between the young girl in her charge and henri the bond so flimsy withal which united the two lovers was already severed some days later none knew by what means de marsay had attained his end he had a seal and wax exactly resembling the seal and wax affixed to the letters sent to mademoiselle valdez from london paper similar to that which her correspondent used moreover all the implements and stamps necessary to affix the french and english postmarks he wrote the following letter to which he gave all the appearances of a letter sent from london my dear paquita i shall not try to paint to you in words the passion with which you have inspired me if to my happiness you reciprocate it understand that i have found a means of corresponding with you my name is adolphe de gouges and i live at number fifty four rue de l'université if you are too closely watched to be able to write to me if you have neither pen nor paper i shall understand it by your silence if then to-morrow you have not between eight o'clock in the morning and ten o'clock in the evening thrown a letter over the wall of your garden into that of the baron de nucingen where it will be waited for during the whole of the day a man who is entirely devoted to me will let down two flasks by a string over your wall at ten o'clock the next morning be walking there at that hour one of the two flasks will contain opium to send your argus to sleep 
it will be sufficient to employ six drops the other will contain ink the flask of ink is of cut glass the other is plain both are of such a size as can easily be concealed within your bosom all that i have already done in order to be able to correspond with you should tell you how greatly i love you should you have any doubt of it i will confess to you that to obtain an interview of one hour with you i would give my life at least they believe that poor creatures said de marsay but they are right what should we think of a woman who refused to be beguiled by a love-letter accompanied by such convincing accessories this letter was delivered by master moineau postman on the following day about eight o'clock in the morning to the porter of the hotel san real in order to be nearer to the field of action de marsay went and breakfasted with paul who lived in the rue de la pepiniere at two o'clock just as the two friends were laughingly discussing the discomfiture of a young man who had attempted to lead the life of fashion without a settled income and were devising an end for him henri's coachman came to seek his master at paul's house and presented to him a mysterious personage who insisted on speaking himself with his master this individual was a mulatto who would assuredly have given talma a model for the part of othello if he had come across him never did any african face better express the grand vengefulness the ready suspicion the promptitude in the execution of a thought the strength of the moor and his childish lack of reflection his black eyes had the fixity of the eyes of a bird of prey and they were framed like a vulture's by a bluish membrane devoid of lashes his forehead low and narrow had something menacing evidently this man was under the yoke of some single and unique thought his sinewy arm did not belong to him he was followed by a man whom the imaginations of all folk from those who shiver in greenland to those who sweat in the tropics would paint in the single phrase he was an unfortunate man from this phrase everybody will conceive him according to the special ideas of each country but who can best imagine his face white and wrinkled red at the extremities and his long beard who will see his lean and yellow scarf his greasy shirt-collar his battered hat his green frock-coat his deplorable trousers 
his dilapidated waistcoat his imitation gold pin and battered shoes the strings of which were plastered in mud who will see all that but the parisian the unfortunate man of paris is the unfortunate man in toto for he has still enough mirth to know the extent of his misfortune the mulatto was like an executioner of louis onze leading a man to the gallows who has hunted us out these two extraordinary creatures said henri faith there is one of them who makes me shudder replied paul who are you you fellow who look the most like a christian of the two said henri looking at the unfortunate man the mulatto stood with his eyes fixed upon the two young men like a man who understood nothing and who sought no less to divine something from the gestures and movements of the lips i am a public scribe and interpreter i live at the palais de justice and am named poincet good and this one said henri to poincet looking towards the mulatto i do not know he only speaks a sort of spanish patois and he has brought me here to make himself understood by you the mulatto drew from his pocket the letter which henri had written to paquita and handed it to him henri threw it in the fire ah so the game is beginning said henri to himself paul leave us alone for a moment i translated this letter for him went on the interpreter when they were alone when it was translated he was in some place which i don't remember then he came back to look for me and promised me two louis to fetch him here what have you to say to me nigger asked henri i did not translate nigger said the interpreter waiting for the mulatto's reply he said sir went on the interpreter after having listened to the unknown that you must be at half-past ten to-morrow night on the boulevard montmartre near the cafe you will see a carriage there in which you must take your place saying to the man who will wait to open the door for you the word cortejo a spanish word which means lover added poincet casting a glance of congratulation upon henri good the mulatto was about to bestow the two louis but de marsay would not permit it and himself rewarded the interpreter as he was paying him the mulatto began to speak what is he saying he is warning me replied the unfortunate that if i commit a single indiscretion he will strangle me 
he speaks fair and he looks remarkably as if he were capable of carrying out his threat i am sure of it answered henri he would keep his word he says as well replied the interpreter that the person from whom he is sent implores you for your sake and for hers to act with the greatest prudence because the daggers which are raised above your head would strike your heart before any human power could save you from them he said that so much the better it will be more amusing you can come in now paul he cried to his friend the mulatto who had not ceased to gaze at the lover of paquita valdez with magnetic attention went away followed by the interpreter well at last i have an adventure which is entirely romantic said henri when paul returned after having shared in a certain number i have finished by finding in paris an intrigue accompanied by serious accidents by grave perils the deuce what courage danger gives a woman to torment a woman to try and contradict her doesn't it give her the right and the courage to scale in one moment obstacles which it would take her years to surmount of herself pretty creature jump then to die poor child daggers oh the imagination of women they cannot help trying to find authority for their little jests besides can one think of it paquita can one think of it my child the devil take me now that i know this beautiful girl this masterpiece of nature is mine the adventure has lost its charm for all his light words the youth in henri had reappeared in order to live until the morrow without too much pain he had recourse to exorbitant pleasure he played dined supped with his friends he drank like a fish ate like a german and won ten or twelve thousand francs he left the rocher de cancale at two o'clock in the morning slept like a child awoke the next morning fresh and rosy and dressed to go to the tuileries with the intention of taking a ride after having seen paquita in order to get himself an appetite and dine the better and so kill the time End of section five recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey